Hello everyone, and welcome to the leadership show called My Great Aunt Edna. The leadership show that focuses on excellence, doing things the right way, no shortcuts, and accountability. I'm your host, Mac McNeil. And if you don't know already, I am a huge hockey fan. And today's guest is Wayne Peterson, the Director of Community Relations and Hockey Partnerships for the Minnesota Wild. Wayne talks about how his legacy of creating a better state of hockey is his goal. Enough said. Let's get to it. So really excited to have you on the show today, Wayne. Welcome to the show. Mac, uh, good to see you and thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you, sir. So um, as I was telling you before the camera started rolling, you know, I'm a season ticket holder, Minnesota Wild, really excited about everything the team is doing there. Um, and I know uh, one of the focuses is getting more involved in the community, um, you know, diversity in all aspects. And I know you are the primary person in charge of that. So I'd love for you to tell everyone a little bit more about yourself, you know, a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into uh, some some questions related to, you know, your current job today. Okay. Well, I consider myself very lucky that, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I, I loved sports, I played sports, I watched sports, I, you know, I was so sports hungry, but I really didn't know how to get involved in sports back then. It wasn't such a clear path then as there is now, but uh, I uh, went to graduate school at Minnesota State University and got my master's in uh, sports administration. And while I was at Minnesota State, uh, I applied for an internship with the Minnesota Twins in 1987. Okay. And, and got the internship. And if you know anything about the Twins, that was a pretty dang good year. <laughs> they won the first the World Series. That was like a fairy tale, and I was I was hooked. I so I worked for the Twins from 1987, and they hired me full time when I got my uh, degree. I was there from 87 to 2000, mm-hmm. and uh, in the summer of 2000, I was contacted by the Minnesota Wild. You know that was their the 2000 2001 season was their inaugural year, and they asked, "Hey, would you be interested in coming over to St. Paul?" And working for the wild and I didn't have to think long and hard about it. I knew it'd be a great opportunity to get in the ground floor. And, uh, so I made the move and I've been with the wild now ever since. So I'll be 23 years this summer. Wow. Hard to believe it's been that long. And like you say, all it means is I'm getting old, <laughs> but, uh, I, I really love my job. Consider myself very lucky to do something that I'm passionate about. I've worn many hats with the Wild over the years, but I, you know, as you said, I'm the director of community relations and hockey partnerships. I've been doing this now for like seven years, and this is really where my my passion is. And and uh, I talked to a group of season ticket holders uh, last week, mm-hmm. and I told them how lucky I felt I was to have the job that I have. And they said, you know, you do have a great job, and uh, I I try to be mindful of that every day. I would say that you absolutely have a great job. Um, Not only are you in professional sports, but you know, you get to get out into the community as well and see the people that it impacts and not many executives have that opportunity. So that that's pretty amazing to me. You know, I'll probably get into this in a bit, but um, sometimes just the smallest things, can have a huge impact. Yeah. 
And even if it's out of one person's life, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's well worth it. Yeah. That, that's, that's a good one right there. And again, thinking about the jobs that we, we get into just to be able to do that is, is pretty special. Before we get into the, the formalized questions, um, you know, I do want to ask you a question because you went to school, you said for, for sports administration, is that what it was? For my master's, yes. Yeah. So, and then you went right into that particular role and not everyone has that luxury to do exactly what they go to school for. Many times I interview people here and, you know, they're doing things that, you know, it's exciting things that they're doing right now. But then when we talk about what they did in school, it doesn't actually line up. So how are you that fortunate to do that? Well, let me tell you, my wife is a good example of that. My wife actually is a colleague, but she works on the arena side of the business. So she does all the uh, concerts, you know, like the, the, the high school tournaments, yeah. the NCHC frozen face-off, the frozen, those, those events. She's in charge of uh, uh, marketing and communications for the XL Energy Center. Um, she was a French major. <laughs> and now she's in charge of, she oversees, you know, marketing and communications for the XL Energy Center. Um, I, I got lucky. Um, I, you know, so I, I graduated with my undergraduate uh, in 1984. And back then, there were no schools that I knew of that offered like sports marketing or sports administration as an undergraduate. Mm-hmm. But there was only a handful of schools that offered it at the graduate level. And so I, you know, I was actually, when I graduated from Augustana, I was uh, Augustana University in Sioux Falls. I worked in banking for a couple of years and it's like, you know, this isn't me. I know this <laughs> and, uh, I paid the bills and that's about it. And I decided to roll the dice. And so I applied to a few schools and, and chose, uh, Mankato cause I wanted to really work in the twin cities. And, uh, now there's a much clearer path for, for kids that want to get into this field. I mean, there's tons of schools and universities that offer it at the undergraduate and the graduate level. Right. And it's a, it's a very competitive field too, to, to get in. There's not a ton of jobs, but there's a lot of interest in people trying to get those jobs. Yeah. Well, um, that's a good thing that, uh, you know, we have you in the role and it sounds like your wife married into it is what I, what I heard there. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, well, you know, if you're going to be here all the time, I might as well be here as well in another capacity. Sometimes we're like two ships, you know, in the night because uh, the fine rat there, she's there, you know, because yeah. this is a, we're coming into, uh, you know, a very busy season and, uh, you know, what hockey took the, the state hockey tournaments and wrestling yes. and, and, yeah. and uh, you know, the NCHC and hopefully a, a long playoff run and yeah. all sorts of concerts. So, one of us is almost always there. <laughs> Hopefully you guys have a nice apartment like right by there. Uh, no, no, no questions. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's get into some of these questions here. Yeah. So first question I have for you. So as director of community relations and hockey partnership for the Minnesota Wild, what is your desired outcome from the collective works that you have accomplished over the years? We have we have two missions. First is to win the Stanley Cup. Let's do it. I'm with you on that. Let's do it. Yeah. And the second is like we, you mentioned, we're the state of hockey, but our mission is to create a greater state of hockey. And that's where I feel I'm, I'm very lucky in my job. And that's something that I, I literally get to do every day is to create a greater state of hockey. And it doesn't matter 
if it uh, impacts one kid or impacts a, a big community, it's very fulfilling. And, uh, you know, we may not have a big staff, mm-hmm. we may not have a big budget, but we do have a big platform. And it's our responsibility to use that platform to, to do good. And uh, so I would, I would say, you know, you know, we do a lot. You mentioned our, my, my work in diversity, equity, inclusion. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of volunteer work in the community. We do a lot of work uh, in the field of education. Uh, we support our hometown heroes that are military. We do a lot of great hockey programming. And uh, all of it adds up, you know. Yeah. And sometimes things just fall on our lap. And, uh, or sometimes, sometimes I'll be watching the news and I'll see a story. I said, we need to do something about that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story that, uh, you know, Ethan Glenn, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the high school student from Bloomington Jefferson who broke his neck playing football, big hockey player, hockey is his favorite sport. And, uh, I met his dad and his brother back in November. At, a, at the Jack Jablonski Foundation Gala. And uh, Ethan was in Colorado getting treatment. Ethan is now back in the Twin Cities. Unfortunately, he's paralyzed, uh, much, like, much like Jack Jablonski is. Mm-hmm. But I saw Mike Max from CCO TV do an interview with him. And I, you know, what the kid had his whole life turned upside down. Yeah. And, uh, but he has such an incredible attitude. So uh, we invited Ethan and his family and his hockey teammates to uh, to, a, to a hockey game. Gave him a suite. Found out shockingly that Kirill Kaprizov is his favorite player. Yeah. So we had Nordy come to the suite, surprise him with an autographed Kirill Kaprizov jersey, and yeah. you know it's just and that just made his day. And it was so cool to be there to to see that and to and to play a small small role in that. So I have to tell you, Wayne, um, and I'm biased. I'll just admit it to everyone listening right now. But um, I think the Minnesota Wild do the best job at that here in the Twin Cities or in the state of Minnesota. When I think about all of the entities and, you know, different sports franchises and so on and so forth. um, My wife and I talk about that regularly, that um, from what we see, just, you know, of course, you know, we're part of it because we're season ticket holders. But. Um, you know, the marketing, the commercials, you know, what you're just talking about, what you're doing in the community with, um, you know, special needs. It's it's everyone really that I've seen, like everyone is actually touched in some capacity by the Minnesota Wild. So I just wanted to commend you for that while I had the opportunity on the air. But I'm, I'm honest in that assessment. I also have season tickets for the Minnesota Timberwolves and I enjoy their games as well. But um, I think the Wild is just on another plateau when it comes to that. Well, I, I appreciate that. It's it's a priority, you know, the, the, from the top down. Yeah. Uh, Craig Leopold was once our owner was was asked. I was there in the room. What's your favorite thing about being an owner? Mm-hmm. And he said, first thing was winning. Yeah, I like that answer. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And the second was making a positive impact in the community. Yeah. And uh, so it starts starts from the top. And uh, it's a priority of ours, and you know, it's my responsibility to, to bring it to life. And I've got some; they have great help. There's a lot of people that do great things that are in our organization. Absolutely, absolutely. 
All right. So my next question for you, sir, is you've had other roles with within the organization. So how is that different from, you know, being the community face and maybe, you know, someone that's behind the scenes that no one knows? Like, how is that different? Well, so I, when I first started back in 2000, I was in game operations. Uh, then I moved on to uh, a couple of different marketing roles mm -hmm. and uh, all jobs that I enjoyed. Uh, and like I said, I've been there 23 years. I've kind of lost track, but I think I've been in my current role for seven years. And uh, this is my passion. Yeah. And uh, I work very closely with our president, Matt Maka. And uh, now he said, way it's clear that this is where you were meant, meant to be. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I take that, take my role very, very seriously. I have a great team to work with, mm -hmm. so it's it's uh, it's it's my it's my passion, and uh, you know we all you know I have good days and bad days, just like yeah. everybody else, but the good days far outweigh the the bad days, and uh, and I just love being able to put a smile at somebody's face, like we did for uh, Ethan Glenn. Mm -hmm. You know, when he came to a game with his uh, parents and his brother and his hockey teammates. And, uh, and I'll give you another example. There was a young black hockey player, 13 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, his mom reached out to me that uh, he was experiencing uh, some racism. Uh, and uh, just want to know that anything we can do. So I invited her and her son to a game. And uh, she was in on it, but her son knew nothing. So we, during the game, I had uh, Nordy go down to his seats and deliver him a signed Matt Dumba jersey. So he was pretty pretty excited about that. Then after the game, I met he and his mom. And so I, I talked to the young man. And I said, I'd like to meet the guy who signed that jersey for you. <laughs> goes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I brought him down. And not only did he meet Matt, but he met uh, Ryan Reeves, met Jordan Greenway. Oh, wow. And all three guys said, you know, they've, they've lived what he's living. Right. Yeah. And uh, so they gave him encouragement, gave him some words of wisdom. And since then, I've now uh, connected him uh, with Calvin Simon, who is the only black head boys hockey coach in Minnesota at Shockey PI. And, and this, he's done this now for, for a few kids. Yeah. That he is becoming that you know a mentor to these kids, and I I hear from the parents and say you know they're they're very thankful to the wild for what we have done for their for their son. I'm very thankful to guys like Matt and mm -hmm. Jordan and Brian, but I'm thankful to Calvin too. I'll play a role in shaping this young man's life. We want to keep keep guys like this in the game of hockey. So they're happy to do what they can to, to do just that. Not only is that an awesome story, but I was thinking, you know, if I was 13 and that happened to me, that would be mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're meeting all three of those guys, yeah. um, you know, extremely experienced, exactly what you just said. They've gone through it. They've been there and they've done that. They've been successful. Um, that's pretty special right there. Yeah, and we had a situation last year where, again, there was a, a, a young kid, who was experiencing racism with the, from within his own locker room. And, oh, and say thank, meet and greet with 
Matt and Jordan, and then I kept connected him, Ben, with uh, with Calvin, and they've stayed connected, um, and Ben is uh, thriving right now. Stayed in the game, yeah, and he's thriving. I like that. Stayed in the game, you don't yeah. quit. You said something earlier that triggered a thought in me. You said, you know, my good days outweigh my bad. You know, we all experienced that, but it reminded me of a song called I Won't Complain. I need to send you a clip of this song, but... Um, you know, whenever I have those days, I listen to that and watch this little video and it, it, it helps you to keep going. And very similar to what you're doing for those young men, you know, you're giving them something to help them keep going. So, you know, yeah. pretty special. It helps me keep going too. Yeah, it does. Good point. Very good point. All right. So my next question, sir. So, and we're, we're talking about this ironically, but you know, one of the statistics that is well known in the state of Minnesota is that 80% of the hockey players under the age of eight are white. Um, yet, um, 80%, excuse me, I said that wrong. It's 86% of the hockey players under that age uh, are white. And then 80% of the total state population is white. So that's a 6% Delta that we're looking at here. So what strategies are being deployed by the Minnesota wild to increase the diversity of young players in hockey? I'll talk about one program in particular that uh, we launched. Uh, well, the our goal was to launch it pre-COVID, but it got delayed for a couple of years. But it's called uh, Hockey Is For Me. And uh, the program is intended exclusively for kids of color ages five to eight. And so there we have a group of uh, local BIPOC leaders that we lead on to help us identify kids of color in that age group. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we do once we try to get a, a hundred kids uh, every August, September uh, to register for the, uh, the program. And so what it includes is four weeks of learn to skate uh, and that's at uh, Trier Rake, our practice facility in downtown St. Paul. And we provide uh, helmets and gloves and skates for them to use. If they're still interested, then we mm-hmm. enroll them in our little loud uh, learn to play program. And so that's four more weeks of, of on ice instruction. Plus, they get all their gear for free. Wow. Which pads, skates, stick, breezers, everything. Then if they want to continue to play after that, then we provide a grant of up to $500 to register them with their local youth hockey association. And uh, we want to make it as difficult as possible for them to say, no, I'm not going to try it. And uh, it's been so cool when we have the learn to skate over a trio rake, seeing not only the rake of kids of color, which you don't see often. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But seeing their parents uh, in the stands and, uh, and it's very rewarding and fulfilling to see all this take place. And we've stayed in touch now with a number of people who have progressed and, and, you know, went on and, and, and are playing with the Oakland Hockey Association. And in fact, I just spoke with a, a hockey mom, uh, she's from Ethiopia originally. Yeah. And, uh, she now has... She's now hockey mom, and and she, and she loves it, and and she absolutely loves it. And she and her kids. We did Matt Dumba just had his uh, hockey without limits camp 
out at the Oval in Roseville, and she was there with her kids. And, uh, you know, she doesn't look like a typical hockey mom. <laughs> yeah. But she is one, and she was there. I think she was there for six hours. I said, man, you must be tired. She goes, I am, but I love it. And wow. she loves calling herself a hockey mom. And, and yeah. she never would have given hockey a second thought were it not for this program. So very, very proud of what that program was accomplished. And we hope we can continue to grow and get more kids of color in the game. Like I say, we want to make the game more diverse. We want to make it more inclusive. But most importantly, we want to make it welcoming. Yeah. We want these kids to feel like they're welcome and, and they're a, a part of this great game. Yeah. So one great program. Um, I love the concept. I really haven't followed many other NHL organizations to see if they're doing something similar, but I love the fact that it's being done here in the state of Minnesota. And I am a firm believer that if you expose children to hockey at a young age, regardless of their race, uh, they're going to be excited about it. You know, they might not continue to do it, but just giving them that exposure reminds me of a scene, uh, and I know you've seen this movie several times, but Soul on Ice, uh, done by Kwame, Kwame Mason. Um, but the scene in there where, you know, a guy sitting in the barbershop, I think it was, or standing out by the basketball court, I can't remember, but he was saying it to himself, like, hey, if I was in high school and I had been exposed to this, it's probably something I would have tried, but at my school it wasn't offered. So I think, you know, the fact that you're doing that is great. You know, as you were speaking, I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, how else can we get the word out about, you know, this program, you know, not just in the state of Minnesota, but I'm thinking you know, nationwide, how do we get the word out and, and expose people to, you know, the great sport of hockey? Well, I know that the, that's, that's a big initiative of the, yeah, it is. It is. You know, I work with uh, great people like uh, Kim Davis mm -hmm. yeah, and, and Jeff Scott and, uh, you know, there are a lot of teams in the NHL that are that are trying to grow the game, you know, and and this is one way that that uh, that we're trying to do it in in Minnesota, and uh, I often like to say one kid at a time, you know, and then you know I talked about how I I love talking about introducing kids to the game, but I, I love introducing adults to the game too. That was my next point. <laughs> yeah, and uh, was it uh, two years ago? <clears throat> When we were celebrating uh, Black History at a at a wild game, and I had a uh, suite full of uh, local Black leaders, many of whom had never been to a game before, and we we won that game seven to nothing, and it was so much fun. And I had to warn them; it's not always like this. <laughs> <laughs> we said there we're, there's there there's there are plenty of duds here and there. Yeah. When you make it beat five nothing, but you're there, you're you see it, and 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 you're hooked. And I've yeah, had the good pleasure of being able to introduce a number of people that have ne never been to a game, and and uh, you know it's as you know it's 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 a great atmosphere. It is. It's it has for everyone. You know, it's for everyone. And I'm I'm trying to do the same at a much smaller scale than, you know, what you're doing. But, you know, I'm bringing a lot of friends that come to visit me in Minnesota who have never been to a hockey game. And I take them to the wild game and they're hooked. Yeah. You know, they're they're asking questions and they're going back home to Nashville or wherever they're from. And, you know, they're they're learning about their team. So you're right. It's, it's fun to introduce people to the sport. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right. So my next question, sir. So fast forward 20 years from now, 2043. 
So what would you like people to say about the impact that you have had on the game of hockey as a leader? Well, I'm guessing I'll be retired by then. I'm guessing. <laughs> I'm, I'm just throwing that out there as a guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like my legacy to be that, that uh, I was passionate about my job, that I really wanted to make an impact. Mm-hmm. Again, whether it was introducing kids of color to the game or or helping kids like Ethan Glenn, you know, who suffered a horrific accident and yeah. paralyzed, doing a lot of our volunteer opportunities that we're going to, you know, be volunteering at Ronald McDonald House in a couple of weeks. So somebody who really went the extra mile mm-hmm. and wanted to make an impact on people's lives. You know, we celebrate military appreciation Day every, every year. Yeah. And uh, I was able to, you know, we've done it three years now. We had to take a little hiatus during COVID, but we were able to, to surprise a veteran with a road trip with the wild. And, and this oh, past, man. this past, this past uh, December when we celebrated military appreciation night, I had worked with the Hendrickson foundation, Darby Hendrickson's father started it. I said, hey, can you help me identify a veteran who would be worthy of going on and surprising him with a road trip for yeah. a while? So we identified uh, a veteran. His name is Nick Casalter. Lives up in the Iron Range. Army veteran, but he's also starting to grow the Minnesota Warriors hockey program up in the Iron Range. So we invited him down to the uh, military appreciation night and we say we want to thank you for everything you're doing to grow the Warriors hockey program up in the Iron Range and uh, so he came, came down to the game and I said you know what we we like Kevin Gord would like to interview you during intermission so like about all the work you're doing to grow the Warrior hockey program up in the range but the whole idea was is that on live TV he was going to be surprised uh, with the trip to uh, with the Wild so wow. we're in the interview with Kevin Gord, Billy Geard came in on this uh, and uh, interrupted uh-huh. and said, "Hey, we'd like to as a thank you, we'd like to offer you, a, you know, to come with us to Buffalo." And then he later found out during the second intermission that it was that he could bring his dad, and his dad is also a veteran, and his dad played for Herb Brooks at the University of Minnesota and won a national title. So it was really cool. But they oh, they had to go. They got to go on the team charter. They got to go to team meetings. They got to go to team meetings. That's crazy. And it's just, you know, and I'm, I'm lucky too that a guy like Billy Garrett and Dean Evison said, yep, we're, we're, we're all led. Yeah. They're very supportive of it. So it's just wanted to be able to come up with those ideas and, and be able to actually, you know, put them into action and see the impact it has on people that, I mean, these are, are two men that served our country. Yeah, you know, they they deserve it. In Absolutely, they do. Absolutely, they do. And I'm just throwing this out there for you, Wayne. So I'm a an Army Special Operations War veteran. You know, oh, yeah. I throw another you know another trip in there. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking about that. Uh-huh. But I, but I thought about- I am a I am a Special Operations War veteran. But um, yeah, uh, need some help. You know, getting the word out to veterans or anything like that. You know, just shoot something my way. Do you skate? Um, no, I ski. I don't skate much. Sure. All right. Yeah. Downhill or cross country? Downhill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you uh, go? Uh, um, Luton. I was up there for Christmas. Uh, Buck Hill. I was just out there last weekend. Uh, I want to go to Afton probably here in the next week or two. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Colorado next year, most definitely, and Jackson Hole, they're on my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most definitely. And then uh, Germany. You know, I grew up in Germany, uh, so I want to head on over there and do a little bit of skiing. So are you a son of a veteran? I w- yeah, son of a veteran and a veteran myself, yeah. Okay, yeah. Thank you for your service. You're very welcome, sir. Thank you. All right. All right, so jumping back into these questions here, I have another one for you. So what has been the biggest leadership challenge that you personally have had to overcome, and what did you learn from that experience? Well, I would say the most difficult part of my job is having to say no. Oh. Just because, like I said, we, you know, we have limited resources. Right, right. We don't, I, I don't have a big staff. You know, I don't have unlimited dollars to spend. So having to say no has been the biggest challenge. Yeah. And easily the most difficult. And I said before is that, you know, being a professional sports organization, there, you get a lot of asks of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. And, yeah. Uh, and because you got such a big platform. Yeah. And there are times when it's like, you, you just can't. You can't fulfill every request that you get as badly as you want to. Um, you know, I try to do as much as we can for as many people as we can. Right. But it's just not possible all the time. So that, that one's tough. That was tough to overcome, but it's, you know, my staff is the same way. They they want to do as much as they can, but there's going to be so many hours of the day and True. you know so many things that we can do. So we try to cast a big net as as big a net as possible, but uh, sometimes you're just not able to to do everything that's that's asked of you and things that you want to do. Yeah, I'm sure that would be difficult, especially in your situation being the face, uh, you know, in, in community relations. To have to say no to someone that is, you know, truly in need, but yeah. only have, you know, so many resources, I can, I can see where that would happen. But I have a follow-up question for you. So, are you, are your no's more external than they are internal? Like when you have to say no to your staff or anything? I would say they're more. Well, they're more external. Okay. You know, when they because a lot of times they just reach out. You know, could be someone from St. Paul, somebody from Albert Lee, or somebody from Atlanta, Georgia. Right. You know, but, uh, you know, you prioritize the ones that are, you know, closer, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, I would say they're more external, but sometimes you have to say no internally. I also sometimes, because I need help from other people in our, in our office, mm-hmm. I ask a lot of them <laughs> and sometimes they, they have to say no. Yeah. I say like, Hey, I, I'd really kind of, I need a suite because I need to, I would entertain these people or it's like, you know, help. we don't have any, can't give you one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for example, the, uh, the USA wheelchair curling team is going to be in the twin cities for training before they head to the, uh, international competition up in, uh, British Columbia. Okay. And they're, they want to go to a game, but, uh, because large portion of our, our wheelchair bound all of our suites were sold out all of our ada seats for that game they wanted to go t- it was tough it's like i i would love to have you come but i don't i don't have the means because uh we don't have any suites to put you in we don't have any ada seats because they're sold out it's like mm-hmm. i i would i mean it it's like it was it's 
it was tough. Yeah. Because I really wanted to to bring him in and send him off to BC and wish him luck. And, and, uh, but just couldn't, just because we just didn't have the means, because it's the one drawback of being sold out so many times, you know, you just don't have the ability to, you know, give tickets and things like that to people you, you want to bring in. But, uh, that's just one, one example. Good example. And yes, those games are damn near sold out every time I'm there. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. That's not, it's not a bad problem to have. No, no, no. We're, I often, you know, a lot of times when we go to, uh, in fact, I just, before I came out with you, I got an email from the NHL mm-hmm. with a save the date for the NHL club business meetings, which will be out in Los Angeles in July. And a lot of times when, when I'm at the uh, club business meetings, I often think, how lucky am I that I work for an NHL team in Minnesota? Yeah. I mean, as opposed to Phoenix or Los Angeles or Fort Lauderdale or, you know, these non-traditional hockey markets. Right, right. I mean, like you said, this is the state of hockey. How how lucky am I? Extremely. Yes, yes. Most definitely. All right, sir. So my last question for you here. So, and this is my uh, staple question. I've asked every, everyone this question. So as a leader in today's environment, what one or two things, what are one or two things that pisses you off as a leader that you wish you could change? We talked a little bit about this earlier, but, uh, what pisses me off is that there are people out there that don't think racism is a problem in our game. Uh, and, uh, and I'm not saying that it's, you know, widespread, mm-hmm. but it's out there. Yeah. And I've, you know, being a white man, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I haven't experienced it, but in this position, I've talked to a lot of people firsthand mm-hmm. who have, and the stories I hear, and it's like, they gotta be fitting me. It, it's just tragic and sad that that stuff goes on. Yeah. And it's like, the kid wants to play hockey. Let the kid play hockey. And I, I was telling you about just the other night when uh, a 13-year-old uh, came to a game with his mom, and his mom said, yeah, when he was 11, we had uh, someone's grandpa attacked him. What? Yes. And it's like, that's what I, was, that's what I said to her. And it's like, it's amazing if he still wants to play hockey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he is an amazing young man. Wow. I am so impressed with his demeanor and mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know he's a good hockey player. He's a good student and he plays four instruments. Oh my goodness. And, uh, and he's 13 wow. and, uh, so one of the instruments that he plays are the drums. And I think sometimes he'll, he'll just take his frustrations out. He'll say, Mom, it'll be 10 30 at night. Can I go play the drums? And she said, Yep, you go right ahead. But that, 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 when I hear the stories from these people that experience the racism yeah. and the things that are said, and it's like, that just pisses me off and it just makes me want to do it, my work even more to get more kids of color involved in the game. So it becomes, like any other sport right you know and it's, it's people don't give it a second thought whether you know you're asian mm-hmm. if you're black if you're white you know if you're 
from the indigenous community. It doesn't matter. Hockey is for everyone. And, and uh, again, I'll say one kid at a time. We can impact one kid at a time. You know, that, that's a good thing. But this is a peak off. Yeah, I can understand why that would. Yeah, why that would piss you off. Um, you know, we haven't talked about this much, but uh, being that we are in the Twin Cities and, you know, George Floyd situation uh, or murder as not a situation, yeah. but, yeah. Um, you know, Castro, you know, we can keep going on and on. So being in this city and moving here, one of the first things I felt um, was that it felt like like people were extra nice to me. That's what it felt like. Um, but it's because of the effort of trying to say that, hey, this is not us. This is not what we represent. But there's some yeah. elements there. But I can tell you that um, as a black man, one of the places that I feel where it's actually, I, I guess, progressing is when I go to the hockey games. I can tell you that as a black yes. man, like I can I can feel that, um, you know, not only what I talked about earlier about the fact that, you know, you you guys are in the community better than any of the organizations I feel anyway. But when I go to the games, like, you know, the way people reach out and they're talking to me, you know, we talk hockey, they know what I'm talking about, you know, they, and, and it just, it just feels welcoming. So, and I just wanted to, just to let you know that, that, you know, it's working, whatever the hell you're doing, Wayne, it, it's working. Wow. It's not just me. There was a bunch of people on in St. Paul there that are passionate about this. And I, I have noticed over the years that we are getting to be a little more diverse in the stands. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, and that's great. Yeah. And and it will continue, as you said, one kid at a time and me inviting, you know, one fan at a time, you know, it'll, it'll get there. So we've been proud to sponsor, uh, the be the change, uh, golf tournament each of the last three years and since its inception. And I've, I played it at each of the last three years. And I've made, made, they always put a local black leader in each group. And so I've made a lot of connections through that. And I've maintained relationships with the, with the leaders that have, that I've golfed with. Most recently it was fire chief, uh, Brian Titer from Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, James Burroughs, who is the uh, senior VP of, uh, DE&I at Children's Minnesota. And then, uh, Johnny Chapman. And, uh, I love Johnny and, uh, Johnny is, uh, from Chicago, he's probably about my age, and uh, moved to Minnesota a while back. But I uh, got him to his uh, first hockey game, mm-hmm. and then I and, and he was just having a great time. And I even got him on his. He, he's a big. He's a basketball guy. Big man. Yeah. Got him on his Zamboni. <laughs> and he was. He was smile. His smile was ear to ear. And now I've had him back a, like, a couple more times, and he just. Loves it. Yes, you know, one kid at a time. I don't care if you're six or sixty-six. Yeah, you know, you, we <laughs> want to introduce you to the game of hockey. I don't. You don't have to play hockey. You can just come and like hockey. Everybody's welcome. Love it, love it. So Wayne, I want to thank you for this time. And I know you're a busy man. You have a lot going on. A lot of people want your your FaceTime. Uh, so I appreciate you giving a little time to the listeners out there. The I call them the nieces and nephews of my great aunt Edna, the leadership platform. Um, but before we go, I just want to turn turn it over to you. See if you have any last minute things you want to say to the audience out there. Well, thanks for having me on, and it was uh, nice meeting you. You know, this winter with a yeah, a common friend, Kwame Mason, 
who's doing great work himself up in Toronto. He's made uh, several trips to the Twin Cities uh, at my invitation. He's always nice to uh, accept the invitation. I think he's coming back this summer. But, uh, you know, thank you for all the kind words. Thank you for being a season ticket holder. Yeah. Um, you should let me know the next time you're there. I'd like to connect with you. I will do that. Yeah. Come up and see you and know what you say, C11 or C13? C11, C11. Okay. So we'll have to connect next time. But, but uh, you know, we're uh, enjoying what we're doing. We're passionate about what we're doing. And uh, like I said, it's, it's, uh, we have a, we have a big platform. It's our responsibility to, to, to use it for good. And, and, uh, our mission is to create a greater state of hockey and hopefully we're able, able to do that. Outstanding, sir. Appreciate it. So for all you listeners and watchers out there, uh, don't hit the stop button yet. We're going to put Wayne's information up. Uh, if you want to find out what he's doing in the community, um, even if you're not in the Twin City areas and you want to replicate the work that he's doing there, be a great person to reach out to. Um, go wild. I want to say that before we, we leave the air here. Uh, and for everyone, uh, tune in to the, the next leadership show. So I appreciate you guys all watching. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. And as I said, I'm a huge hockey fan and really thankful that Wayne Peterson of the NHL's Minnesota Wild took the time to tell us how his impact goes far beyond the ice. Wayne's information is up on the screen right now to find out how you can use some of his strategies to do the same thing in your community. And also, I'd like to remind you that my book called My Great Aunt Edna, The Golden Girl of Leadership is available right now. And lastly, subscribe to this channel so that you can hear from leaders from all over the world on how they can help you in your own leadership journey. And with that, I say thank you. May your week be excellent and God bless. Go wild.